Welcome to Another Day Above Ground, a show for, by, and about baby boomers. It's the podcast for people who have no idea how to download a podcast. And now, here's your host, Dale Irvin. Well, thank you, Farad, and welcome back, all of our baby boomers and baby boomerettes, to the uh, the podcast that's just for you, Another Day Above Ground. We talk to boomers, we talk about boomer issues, boomer problems, and we make fun of millennials, because that's our job now. And when I say it's our job, I'm referring to up to the uh, the team here at Another Day Above Ground. I'm joined by my two partners, first from the mile-high city of Denver, Colorado, where I understand it snowed in May. Please welcome Carolyn Strauss. Hey, so I... Like I've said in the past, I think I love Colorado because my winter clothes and summer clothes live in the same closet because they have to. When I left Colorado for a trip that I took a week ago to Las Vegas, it was 95 degrees when I left. It was like the highest we ever had. I landed back a week later to 32 degrees and a huge blizzard. Thank goodness I parked inside in the garage at the airport because I saw people standing outside brushing off their cars, wearing shorts and t-shirts because that's what you should be wearing in May. It was really fun. Wow. See what, you know, speaking for probably all guys out there, our summer clothes and our winter clothes are also in the same closet because they're the same clothes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i know that about many of you yes that is true <laughs> and joining us from indiana where baby formula is now being uh, airlifted please welcome the aristotle of comedy mr tim slagle concerns are being raised that monkey pox can be transmitted with sex so but by sex so uh, uh stay away from monkeys well, and monkey sex really is is a popular thing in some parts of the country or world, actually. From what I from what I understand, that's isn't that how Ebola started? Wasn't there some uh, monkey hanky panky? Or was or was that? That or, was just the movie. Wasn't that just the movie? That, I mean, I don't know that that was real, Dale. Oh, it was the movie Contagion. I remember it because I watched it like the third week of the pandemic two years ago, and I thought that was not smart to watch that movie. I wrote two about years that ago. in my newsletter in the final words. I said, if you want to scare the poop out of yourself, watch that movie. Uh, and, and I did. So yeah, I don't. I don't know that monkey sex is actually real, and and I kind of don't want to know, but maybe. Maybe that's just because I'm a girl. <laughs> what? It involves hanging from a tree. So, you know. That's... <laughs> no, that's Olympic sex. <laughs> Those Olympians, man, they are flexible. Look at, look at me preaching to the choir. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And I looked it up, and, and monkeypox is related to smallpox and chickenpox, but it's also related to horsepox. There's one of those. I think there was a hippopox, and there was... Uh, there was something else, pox in a box or something, but it's related to a lot of different poxes. So, uh, so really, hippo, hippo pox. Oh, I, I, I believe that was one of them, but I'm not. I know horse pox was in there, and monkey pox to me sounds like a breakfast cereal. I'm sorry, <laughs> start your day with a bowl of monkey pox. But I'm just saying, as as baby boomers, if a lot of us got the shingles shot, here's the thing: isn't shingles related to chicken pox? And so, well, if, if you had they say that if that's in your body. So if we got a shingle shot, wouldn't that take care of monkeypox? So 
Do whatever you want with monkeys, Dale. You got your shingle shots. And you and you and you find no, I haven't because I never had chicken pox. Clever. You are really new. You have a granddaughter. Good luck with that, bud. Oh well, I'll stay away from her when she gets there. I'll probably be dead by that time anyhow. But anyhow, um, what was I gonna say? See, now I got off track and I completely forgot what, what were you still talking about, Carolyn? Monkey business. Oh, monkey business. Okay, well, whatever. We have a we have a, a business expert who has nothing to do with monkey business, with monkey pox, or with the monkey bars that you used to be able to find in the playgrounds when kids were real kids. And <laughs> now monkey now monkey bars are places where you can pick up a monkey. <laughs> And, and you might get monkeypox, so there you go. <laughs> or you can get a drink with a monkey. So, anyhow, this is a, 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 a friend of our show who is returning from the second time against all of his better judgment. He said, "Hey, I'll go on there again because really, I, I love what you do to people." And uh, it's the recruiter guy. It's Bill Humbert. And uh, Bill, thanks for joining us again. And you're here because you've got a brand new book out, don't you? I do. And thanks for having me back. You know, it's just as dangerous to bring me back as it is for me to be on your show because I've been known for my monkey business. Really? What what oh, yeah. type of business is that? Do you buy and sell monkeys or No, 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 no. I uh, you know, I I borrow from companies and I give to other companies. It's kind of a little bit like Robin Hood except I get a fee. Ah, well there you go. You you take from the rich and uh, and keep it. So yeah. it's, it's it's just Robin. So, so Bill, your new book is about trying to find a job after fifty, which of course all of our baby boomers are, and apparently the the rules are different. What I'd like to do is, if I could, I have a copy of your book here with me, and I'd like to read a, a couple of sentences from the introduction, if you don't mind. Sure. Okay? This is this is Bill's introduction. Once upon a time, there was a group of brilliant. 20-something and 30-something-year-olds, some of whom worked or with companies with names like Microsoft, Oracle, Apple, and LinkedIn. Many of them were managers who knew that 50-year-old workers were out of touch with their generation and their technology. Therefore, they did not hire them. Little did they know is that those 50-year-olds would key their cars and make, <laughs> make random calls to them late at night. So... We have a way of getting back. No, that, not, not all of that. Just, just the one part was what, we, what you said. But yeah, that's right. Now all the, all the managers are, are kids and they don't want to hire fogies. And so what, what do we do? Well, you know, it, you're right. And that's, it's really more of a fear that people over 50, even those approaching 50, have as opposed to a reality. Of course, there's some of that that goes on. But but it's more a fear and it's the problem is not all the time the managers. The problem is now human resources and how their process works and how they screen people out. Uh-huh. So they're they're oh I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, isn't it true that a lot of human resource stuff happens? just from the electronic resume. And I heard a story that somebody who was in their 50s was looking for a job and didn't put that he was a high school graduate and he was dis like disqualified from having an interview. I mean, like, 
obviously if he went to college and he had this long career, he was a high school graduate, but because it didn't say high school graduate on his resume, he didn't get called in for the job. Now, something's really wrong, Bill, fix that. Well, I'm trying to fix it. So, and Carolyn, I know this guy because I was coaching him and he has a Harvard MBA. <laughs> right. And he, and I showed him how the software screens them out. And and so the, the software company, the applicant tracking system companies call it artificial intelligence. I refer to it as artificial, artificial intelligence. And so if your words on your resume do not mirror the words that are exactly in a poorly written job description, they screen you out. So it's wow. artificial stupidity, basically. No, it's it's definitely stupidity. <laughs> There's no artificial about it. I wow, thought artificial gotta... intelligence was just when you carried, a, carried around a bunch of books that you've never read. <laughs> well, my dad used to tell me I, I had artificial intelligence. So, you know, who knows? Well, I'm impressed the guy had a Harvard MBA. I mean, I've got a, I've got a repossessed BMW. So uh, as long as, long as he's, he's driving a good car, that's what's important. So what should we do? Say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, well, I'm far uh, 50s away in my rearview mirror, but for somebody who's, uh, who's 50 who's still looking for uh, active work, what should they do? So just understand something. The recruiting process and the career search process both mirror the sales process perfectly, line by line by line by line. And unfortunately, people who are looking for work have never been taught that. And in addition to that, most companies have never been taught it. And look at human resources anyway. All their functions, benefits, compensation, employee relations, training and development. Go down the entire list, there's one outlier, recruiting. All the rest are either administrative or compliance. Recruiting mirrors the sales process perfectly. And so what happens is HR hires administrators or compliance people and expects them to sell. Now, when was the last time a compliance person was the top salesman in a company? Uh, I don't know. Even you go back to the Garden of Eden and they weren't compliant. So you know, I, I don't know. when. Yeah, but she sold them an apple. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hi, hire the serpent, man. Now there's a salesman. That's a salesman. That's right. That's right. Of course. And that's the reason some people call us the little devils, too, I guess. you know. <laughs> but that's the difference between a professional recruiter who is a salesperson and an HR person who doesn't even know they're in sales. But I, I just want a job. I'm 50 years old. Let's say I just want a job. What should I do? And in a job market now, hold on, in a job market that is so desperate for talent. I mean, desperate. Dale, you can't find somebody to take care of your yard. I know. Landscaping talent is really, you know. <laughs> They, they don't even they're not even desperate for talent they're just desperate for a uh, uh, so, bodies a, yeah 
I, I didn't want to say that because then Dale was going to make a crack about you, Carolyn. So I, I, I did it for him, right? We're all desperate for bodies, but that is a different conversation. <laughs> That's a different problem. So, yeah. so what has to happen is people in their 50s or anybody have to go around human resources, and you do that by networking. Yep. Okay. Go okay. on LinkedIn, find somebody at the company you know, and send them a note and say, who can you introduce me to, right? Even better than that, there's this really cool uh, device now, and it's got apps on it and all kinds of stuff. It actually has one for a phone, and you push that and you call them. Oh. You call who? Right. And if you're, if you're linked with them on LinkedIn, usually in their contact information, they have their phone number. Mm. Well, here's, I, I was looking through your book. Here's a chapter that uh, I think Carolyn would fit right in here. It's called Impassioned Interviewing. What the hell does that mean? Does that mean like interviewing with, with no pants or what? It, it means definitely over cocktails. <laughs> definitely helped. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did a little bit of that last week in Las Vegas. But, um, you know, it really means that when you go into an interview, you need to be passionate about what it is that you do. And it doesn't matter what it is you do. I, you know, for me, I speak, I'm a consultant, I write books, I enjoy all of those things. I'm passionate about all those things. If you're passionate about what it is that you do, your, your interview is going to be much stronger because that excitement will be transferred to the manager. Bill. You're asking somebody, though, there are a lot of people who don't have personalities that come off as passionate, right? Some of us are so passionate that people think we're full of it. That would be me. They really do. But but there are some people who are just kind of flat. How do they be passionate if that's not in their personality? So, you know, I have a friend who's a CFO, and he told me one time when I was coaching him, you know, Bill... I don't have an excitable bone in my body. I'm so sad. I, you know, I was thinking I might have had one, but I, you know. <laughs> you don't have two, maybe we should say. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> well, keep him off my dating list next. <laughs> um, and, you know, and engineers kind of have that uh, reputation also. But the beauty is if an engineer is interviewing for job, they're generally interviewing, unless it's human resources, in which case they're screwed, they're interviewing with another engineer. And so that person understands. And, and as a recruiter, for me, those are kind of the fun conversations because I can't tell what's going on in either one of their heads. But, but at the same time, they figure it out and... and uh, and then we're all set and they go to work with each other and they do whatever engineers do. Okay, so 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 you get the you, you get the interview and you're you're very impassioned about the interview and you're very sincere, you know, even if you have to fake it. And uh, so then then they say, "Okay, we like you. We're offering this much." And you're thinking, "Whoa, I wanted a lot more than that. How do you how do you go from here as far as uh, negotiating the salary?" 
Well, HR wants you to put the number that you're looking for and the number, well, in 22 states, they can't do this anymore, but they want to know what it is that you're currently making, and then they want to know what it is that you want to make. And the applicant tracking systems, because of human resources, have been set up so that you cannot write open or negotiable. And I tell people, don't write negotiable anyway, because I've seen it misspelled every possible way. <laughs> so... Uh, so you can't write those anymore. You have to put a number in. And your listeners are so lucky because I'm going to tell them a secret. Write the number one. Get right number down, one and then hit submit. And that resume goes off. And then what happens is HR calls you and they go, um, it, it says here in your applicant tracking system app, application that you wrote one and your response is really i put a number in there is your system broken <laughs> now their hard drive is on spin <laughs> <laughs> and then you say you take advantage of that because they're trying to process that information and you say you know i was just thinking wouldn't it make sense that we have a conversation about me and my experience and and you and your experience, because job descriptions are always poorly written. If I like you and you like me, wouldn't we be able to find some middle ground? And well, everybody so. that I've coached to say that has gone to the next level. Wow. Hmm. Wow. Next level being what? The interview with the manager instead of HR. Ah, ah, okay. And with this little notation, this person did not give me any numbers and that's okay and so the manager says so bill you know i see that you didn't put any numbers in there yep well until i know what the job entails till i know what you expect from me until i know where i can grow within the organization i cannot make an intelligent assessment on a fair level of compensation nice. okay all right so let's say now, just following along in, in your book, is that you uh, you got the interview, you got the job, you got the money you want, but you're still employed. So what's the best way to uh, kiss off the old job? You know, that's, you know, that's like the, the guy who thought he had the winning lottery number and stood on his desk and said, hey, all you can go pound sand for all I care. And then he, it was last week's numbers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's how do you leave your wife or your girlfriend? Is that the question you're asking now, Dale? No, no, Because it's going to apply no, in all you, kinds of ways. How do you leave your job? Yeah. You oh. know, what's, what's the best way so that you don't, you know, leave them very unsatisfied so they uh, say nasty things about you in the uh, industry? So it's important to give two weeks notice. If they ask for three weeks, I generally coach people, just give them the two weeks. Because usually the third week, is the counteroffer week where they just pressure, press you, press you to remain, and they give you a counteroffer and go through that process. Um, the woman who edited my book, Darius, she was funny. She wrote, when she read the resignation step, she said, until I read that, I was the worst resigner ever. <laughs> <laughs> because? Because I, she just didn't know how to resign. So all you have to do is just write a simple note and say, you know, thank you so much for my employment with you. I enjoyed working with you. I learned a few things here. 
And um, now I've been offered a new job with a new company, and I'm really excited about because of the growth in the, my profession that I'll experience. And uh, my last day will be two weeks out. And I'm taking the three weeks of vacation that you owe me. So ta-ta. Yeah, you can do that. Yeah, but give them a little bit of notice on that too. You know, it, how you leave, as Dale referred, how you leave, you'll re be remembered. So it's important to leave on good, good standing. But, you know, if you give them the two weeks notice and then just say, just pay me for those three weeks beyond that, we're good. All right. All and right. you never you know you when you might have to come crawling back. There you go. There you go. This is just like breaking up. I'm telling you, there's nothing different <laughs> <laughs> than there is in relationships. It's really the same process, Bill. You should write a dating book. Well, you know, I'd be terrible at that, Carolyn, because I've been married almost 49 years. I've forgotten how to date. <laughs> <laughs> People that hook you up with date, those are called pimps, not recruiters. <laughs> now, there's a rebranding strategy that's brilliant. That is genius. Business pimp. All right. So uh, someday when we're not on camera, I've got a pimp story for you. Oh, go ahead. As long as it's no, 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 no. no, the kids love these kind of stories. We're talking to baby boomers. We're all adults here. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Were you, did you used to be a pimp? That I'm really not going to go any further than to make a <laughs> comment that I have a good pimp story. All right. So uh, was that a good business? Did you get a lot when you know you were doing that? Or did you, did you walk around with a big hat and a fur coat? Uh, no. Oh, okay. So you're kind of an undercover pimp. All right. Yeah, so a that, great book, great book Carol, title, by the way. a good one around uh, Rumbar the other day. Yes. <laughs> So, Bill, if you had to, if you had to sum up your book, "Expect Success: The Science of the Over 50 Career Search," in just a few sentences, what would you say? We've got people eagerly listening, saying we need some takeaway from this otherwise senseless uh, podcast, and we <laughs> we want to uh, we want to be able to use it. So, what's what what's the takeaway? Summarize your book for the people that you know probably won't buy it. Well, that's okay. So what's interesting to me is in four short months, it's received a four-star review from Clarion Reviews, a five-star review from Joe Wasinski in Reader's Favorite Book Reviews, and chosen as one of the 100-plus best business books by C-Suite Network. And the book is purposefully written for people who are over 50 and I've recruited many candidates over 50, and I know what the fears of those people are. And it's got some humor in it, too. And it's important for everybody to expect success in their career search. And when you say it's written for the, uh, for the reader over 50, I notice it does have rather sizable type. And that's good because you know if you're over fifty, you don't want to be squinting while you're trying to uh, while you're trying to find a job. So here's what I'm thinking about this book, though, not just for us baby boomers, because a lot of us either are in our careers that we're gonna stay in until we're done, or we're done, right? For a lot of us, but I think for us to buy for our kids. Our kids who are in their, you know, 20s, 30s, 40s, who are figuring out in this market how to get a job, how to leave a job, how to how to move up. 
right? In pay, I mean, this seems to me, Bill, I don't know anything about this because I've never had a job, but it seems to me that for people who want a job, this is the, this is the moment to move on and move up. Am I wrong? Absolutely the, the moment because now the, the compensation is up as high as it, it's ever been and there's a need. And if you go and you start looking right now and you use the steps in my book, and it's a step-by-step -step book. If you use the steps in my book, you'll find a better position and you'll make more money. I coached 32 professionals during COVID from March 15th, 2020 to December 31st, 2020. And they all found new positions, 11 of whom received more income than they were making before. And three of them received 30% more. So knowing how the process works, you know, I'm pulling the curtain back for everybody, knowing how the process works, how to work the salary negotiation side of it, because think about it, I'm the guy on the other side of the table that you're talking to when, I, when you're negotiating compensation. I know what you need to say. And if you do all of that, you're going to be successful and probably making more money than you currently are or were before in your previous job. And who doesn't okay, so like I, I, a new position? <laughs> Gee, I don't know. Who would that be? <laughs> nah, we're I back know to the when monkey pox to, again. I know when to shut up. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> back to hanging from the tree upside down with the monkey pox. All right. <laughs> Well, Bill, thank you very much for uh, for being a part of us again and, and putting yourself and your career at such great risk. But um, <laughs> if people wanted to buy your book, where would they find it? They can find it on Amazon, of course, and Barnes & Noble. And the really, really smart independent bookstores, they're carrying it too. Can they buy it directly from you at recruiterguy.com? I generally just take the, send them on to Amazon um, because I would really like them to read my book and then make a comment on Amazon and that would help me and then also help other people make their decision. So what do you put like autographs on sticky tape that they can then put on the front page? Or? <laughs> hey, listen, they, my calendar is out there. If, uh, if I happen to be in your town, let me know. Why you need a place to stay or what? Well, I'll sign the book and then I'll move on. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. And remind us the title of the book. Title Expect of the book once more, Expect Success. I don't know if we can see that on the video, but if you can't, <laughs> trust me, that's what it says. Expect Success, The Science of the Over 50 Career Search by Bill Humbert. You can reach him at therecruiterguy.com. And that's where he would be more than happy to take all of your, uh, your tributes and accolades. Bill, thank you very much, and uh, good luck with the book. And uh, hopefully, we'll uh, we'll have you back when the book reaches, uh, you know, the uh, well. They don't have gold records. What do they have? Bestsellers. That's what it is. In books. Yeah. that'll be fun. Terrific. When your book sells as many copies as our podcast has been downloaded, we'll have you back. So we'll see you Thursday. We've been downloaded tens of times already. Don't let her kid you. <laughs> 
All right, kids, I think we've just about run out of time. We've learned that if you're over 50, we're making you a very young baby boomer, that uh, you, can, uh, you can find a new job. And if you're a baby boomer with kids who are approaching their 30s, 40s, whatever, uh, get this book for them because they may want to be changing jobs and getting more money because, you know, you need um, grandchildren, which is the, just the most beautiful thing in the world. Other than that, any last words, Carolyn, for our listener? I'm just going to go find a grandchild that somebody wants to share. That's it. I, I forgot to have children. I just forgot. So, you know, I'll, I'll come visit. I'll come visit you guys, Dale. All right. Yeah, like I'm going to let you anywhere near my granddaughter. Hey, <laughs> somebody's got to teach her how the world really works. Seriously. She's going to learn it from you. She'll grow up going, oh, you want me to pull your finger. I get that. <laughs> she did that one time and then she thought it was disgusting. She won't do it anymore. She did it one time and learned her lesson, you know, and she won't do it anymore. Tim Slagle, what about you? Any final uh, words for the folks? Where are you going to be? Just go to timslagle.com. All the appearances should be listed there. Fantastic. And if you visit daleirvin.com and you press the button for the Friday Funnies, you can subscribe absolutely for free uh, because I'm that kind of a guy. To the Friday Funnies, every Friday in your email, you'll get both a written and a video version of the Otter News Stories of the Week. That being said, we want you to go out and enjoy today because today is another day above ground. See you next week. And that's it for another day above ground. For Dale, Tim, and Carolyn, I'm Farad Muhammad. Thanks for listening.